Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Greetings, Throwdown Nation. Welcome to another edition of the show. I want to walk you through what happened in week six thus far, we've got Monday Night Football tonight with the Packers and uh, 49ers, but uh, just want to kind of walk through what we got right, what we got wrong, and just kind of lessons learned overall, because this was certainly an interesting uh, week capped off by uh, just an absolute shootout of a Sunday Night Football game. So if you had the slate where you were playing, including Sunday Night Football, as part of your pick selections. Uh, you know, hopefully you had exposure to the uh, the Pats and the Chiefs because the, that was slate-breaking, uh, to say the least. But, uh, you know, let's uh, get right down to it with some of the matchups we saw today. The Raiders and Seahawks were in London punishing London fans with yet another terrible game. Seahawks win 27-3. to and, you know, this was a game, Seahawks were favored by three and a half, but, I mean, this game wasn't even close. I mean, the Raiders just look so lifeless as a team. The offense is uninspired. The pass blocking is terrible. Derek Carr, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to have the authority to check out a certain place because, you know, watching this game, uh, you know, and believe me, I tried not to watch this game for too long. But watching this game reminds me so much of the Giants where you got offensive sets that don't make a whole lot of sense and the quarterback not being able to check out a certain place. And I don't know if this is just along the lines of similar to Eli where Derek Carr is too nice of a guy to uh, be his own advocate. But Derek Carr is not doing himself any favors and he got himself hurt uh, just because... Uh, the pocket completely collapsed around him. Uh, if you look at the advanced metrics, I mean, Carr uh, is one of the most hit quarterbacks in the league uh, behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Uh, you know, almost as bad as the Giants, but, you know, Carr took a beating, six sacks, and, again, uh, jacked up his non-throwing sh- uh, arm, but uh, still took a couple of good whacks. Uh, 23-31 for 142 yards. I mean, it's just dink and dunk. The Raiders are looking to uh, trade Amari Cooper, who had one target on a day. I mean, Jordan Nelson had three targets, two catches for six yards. Like, the Raiders' offense cannot move the football at all. And even then, they're not even running the football uh, that much because Marshawn Lynch only had 13 carries. Jalen Rashard only had two carries. Like, the Raiders are just, again, similar to the Giants, looks like a stale offense with no originality whatsoever. Can't hint. Uh, you got John Gruden back. You got Pat Trimmer, a retread coach. Like, the coaches that are not, like, supposed to be offensive geniuses 
uh, not able to use the players in the most creative fashion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Raiders look terrible. The Seahawks' defense is not that good, uh, to be perfectly honest. Like, the, the Seahawks were able to do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, because the Raiders were that bad. I mean, the, the Raiders and Giants are legitimately competing for the overall number one pick based off of how they're playing right now, and it looks like it's intentional with some of these coaching staffs. Uh, Russell Wilson, pedestrian day. But he really didn't need to do all that much because, again, the Raiders' offense was not moving the football whatsoever. It, there, it was not happening. Uh, so you, you got the Seahawks, uh, uh, again, winning 27-3 to uh, with Russell Wilson throwing for 222 yards and three touchdowns. Again, pedestrian day by Russ's standards. But they didn't need to do anything, so they just played ball control the rest of the half. And it was a split, a, a split assignment between... Uh, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. Uh, you know, if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, uh, Rashad Penny like had his most rushing attempts for the season. He had nine attempts for 43 yards. Chris Carson, 14 attempts for 59 yards. And Mike Davis had six carries for 21 yards. Like, overall, like, Doug Baldwin was the Seahawk who had the best day. But, you know, the Seahawks are just, like, they were just, like, trying to get into... Uh, a sense of an offensive rhythm because, you know, the Raiders were not doing anything uh, to give them any trouble. So uh, that's all there is to be said about that game. Carolina and Washington. So this was just a case of, you know, I was a week too early because I was talking about Carolina dropping games that they shouldn't be dropping and I just missed it by a week. In a matchup where Carolina was favored on the road against the Washington team that is struggling mightily and got blown out of the building by the Saints, Carolina comes in there and just lays an egg throughout the entire game and then was desperately scrambling to try to get back into it. I know a lot of people were on Christian McCaffrey uh, yesterday for DFS purposes. You know, obviously you're starting regular fantasy but Carolina was just not in sync at all. I mean, Cam Newton throws 40 times. Uh, he's 27-40, 275, uh, two touchdowns and a pick. But, you know, Carolina was just playing from behind, and they never really committed to running the football. I mean, you know, you got eight rushing attempts for 20 yards. Like, Carolina was just not really that effective running, and it showed. They, they just abandoned the run game and just – focused strictly on uh, throwing the football. Uh, you had a couple of plays where uh, Cam just missed some guys, but, I mean, that's typical Cam Newton. Uh, you know, I can't say that I'm surprised at all by this, uh, but, uh, you know, he'll have these games. I mean, Washington, uh, you know, realistically, if you look at it, Alex Smith was 21-36 to 36 for 163. I mean, it was as dink and dunk as you can get, but... You know, you got Adrian Peterson uh, rushing 17 times for 97 yards and controlled the clock. I mean, he gave Alex Smith a short field to work with uh, for every third down play. So that was the difference of the game. Like, Washington was able to control the clock, and they were able to make just enough plays. Carolina just never was in a rhythm here. I mean, this was played at what Washington wanted to do for a pace. You know, even though... The offense is trash for Washington. 
Uh, I'll be perfectly honest. Like uh, Alex Smith has been one of the worst performing quarterbacks the entire year, and it's not even a surprise here. I mean, he went from a high-scoring offense with the Chiefs with a great offensive line, and, you know, even though he still has a very good offensive line in Washington, the weapons are not even close to being the same. And he's got a nice big contract, so he doesn't feel the need to be as much of a gunslinger as he was last year. So, again, not surprised at all with uh, some of these uh, numbers. But, uh, you know, Washington gets the win, and this was the Carolina swoon game that I was waiting on. I just missed it by a week, which annoys me because, uh, you know, it could have cashed in on this one. But uh, uh, Washington gets the, the win over the Panthers. Uh, 23-17. Moving on, you got the Steelers and the Bengals. The Steelers just own the Bengals. Like, the Bengals, realistically, just find ways of losing these games. Even though, if you looked at the numbers, uh, to be perfectly honest, the Steelers should have won this game more easily, but the Bengals were able to make plays. They just didn't make enough of them uh, defensively. Uh, So, uh, the score was 21 all. The Bengals had just tied it up. They, they put the ball in the Steelers' court to make a play. And, yeah, there w- there was uh, a pick play by Justin Hunter literally blocking uh, uh, the Bengals' uh, DB well out of the way so that AB could uh, take it to the house. There's no question about that. It was a pick play. But, you know, the NFL is going to cover that up. They're not going to admit that they made a mistake. There was no attempt to clear out by Justin Hunter. He literally went out of his way to block uh, as soon as the ball was snapped. So it was a case where you've, you've got, uh, you know, a pick play that should have counted. But, you know, the Steelers got away with it. And what I always say about pick and rub plays are that, honestly, more teams should be running them. And uh, to be perfectly honest, they don't get called not nearly enough uh, not to make it worthwhile because they realistically, they only get called about 10% of the time. So if you got a play where you can get your fastest guy on the field, the ball, 9 out of 10 times, why the hell aren't you running pick plays? It doesn't make any sense to me why more teams don't do this. And, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at the Giants and I'm looking at the, like, there are teams that could easily benefit from running more pick plays and they just don't do it. They just don't do it. Steelers get the win here. Uh, Big Ben goes 32-46, 369. Uh, only three for one TD. That's uh, because James Conner had a day. Uh, 19 carries for 111 yards and two TDs. Uh, you know, Conner is putting up numbers. You know, the talk is uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell is coming back during the bye week. You know, for fantasy owners, like regular fantasy I'm holding Pat on Connor. I'm not going crazy over Le'Veon Bell coming back because I still have my doubts that the Steelers are realistically going to bring Le'Veon back into the fold. I still think that the the trade is a distinct possibility because of the fact that, you know, the Steelers, while they're winning games, you know, realistically, they also have to start planning out what the long-term strategy is. They could go all in. But uh, I, I do think that at a certain point that the Steelers have to figure out what the next move is and that they can get a few more uh, pieces in there for the defense. Because realistically, the Steelers cannot win it 
uh, even come close to winning a title this year unless that defense gets better. Like, the Bengals were not playing well on offense yesterday for large swaths of the game, and they still were able to just drive down the field and score a touchdown when they needed to. Like, the Steelers' defense has to be able to button up, and they don't have the personnel to do so. So I, I look at I look at Le'Veon Bell as the big trade piece that maybe they can actually make a move and improve that defense significantly to at least get them in a position to make a deep playoff row. Because Connor has shown that even though he's not close to Le'Veon Bell's level, he's productive enough that if you can use Le'Veon Bell to uh, leverage in some defensive chips, you got to do it if you're the Steelers. So uh, that that's where uh, I'm looking at in terms of the overall uh production there so gonna move on uh, we got the Chargers and the Browns and this is the one matchup where I was kind of kicking myself because I faded Melvin Gordon and I'm still ticked off at myself because I should have made more money on DFS uh, this uh, yesterday if I if I had just like wrote it out with Melvin Gordon but be that as it may uh, Melvin Gordon just has an unbelievable day. Uh, I mean, Gordon goes for 132 yards rushing with three touchdowns. I mean, the man put up 35 points on, uh, 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 well, over 35 points on draft kicks because he had the over 100 touch, uh, 100 yards rushing bonus. But uh, you know, it was it was frustrating because I thought this was going to be a game where you're going to get a lot of Melvin Gordon. You're going to get some uh, Austin Eckler in the passing game, and it was going to be a more balanced game because Cleveland's defense, uh, while it's not good from a secondary perspective, their their calling card was their rush defense, and the Chargers just put them to shame yesterday. I mean, there was nothing the Chargers couldn't do running the football against the Browns. So uh, th- that one was an eye-opener uh, just in terms of uh, Melvin Gordon is becoming uh, more matchup-proof and the yards per carry are increasing for Melvin Gordon. So, you know, I, I'm going to have to eat crow on this one uh, because from a draft day perspective, I, I was a little bit concerned about Melvin Gordon coming into the year just because, you know, he was usually nicked up, banged up, and uh, the uh, yards per carry were uh, trending in a negative direction. And you know what? He uh, he was able to uh, kind of disprove the doubters wrong and, uh, continues to churn out uh, incredible numbers week after week. You got uh, five top running backs uh, uh, between Gurley, uh, Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, and James Conner. You know, though, you know, and you can talk about Alvin Kamara as well. But like Kamara also has uh, the issue of uh, Mark Ingram coming back to steal carry. So you know, Kamara's in that talk as well. But you know, you got six top running backs, but realistically now going forward, like it could be down to four and Melvin Gordon uh, is one of them. Like just because Le'Veon's coming back, you know, the Steelers do decide to keep Le'Veon, which I think is a mistake. I think they got to trade him. But if Le'Veon comes back, that's going to split time with him, him and Connor because I, I, I think the Steelers really do like Connor and his performance. I don't think it's going to be a 90-10 split. I think it's it's closer to 50-50 split. Uh especially just to keep Le'Veon healthy because he has been going through contact. So realistically, you're looking at a case where you got four top running backs that are going to have their dominance of the football. 
And even Kareem Hunt, even though he had a massive game last night, is not always a feature option on the on the Chiefs offense. So, you know, again, Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, Gurley, all seem to be matchup proof in terms of uh, what they can do uh, production-wise. Uh, I mean, the Browns uh, uh, themselves, you know, it was a rough day in the office for Baker Mayfield, two picks, uh, not a whole lot going on, a lot of dump-offs to Duke Johnson. Jarvis Landry had nine targets but only two catches. Uh, they they try to get him the ball. Uh, it's just Baker couldn't deliver it to him. Uh, the Chargers uh, secondary played well uh, yesterday. Moving on, you had the Jets beat the Colts 42-34. to Andrew Luck was not good in this game. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> like it. Andrew Luck was not good throwing the football yesterday. He was 23-43 for 300 yards, uh, four touchdowns, and three picks. Andrew Luck was not good. He is the reason why the Colts lost this game. The Colts' defense uh, did not play well either. But, uh, you know, Andrew Luck just put his team in bad spots multiple times. Uh, the Colts try to get a little bit more balance with the rushing attack with Marlon Mack returning. He had 12 carries for 89 yards. But again, Andrew Luck kept throwing them into bad spots. So, you know, the Colts didn't have the football. They really did not have the football. I mean, the Jets were able to get 29 carries between Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell because of all of Andrew Luck's turnovers. So it made life easy for Sam Darnold because he did a lot of dink and dunk passes. He had 24-30 for 280, but a lot of this was dink and dunk. Uh, to Jermaine Curse, like uh, uh, Terrell Pryor had a, uh, a big get- game finally with a touchdown because Quincy Newman got hurt. But if you if you looked at this game, like this really wasn't a great game. I mean, this was like the Jets taking advantage of the Colts being dumb. Uh, but uh, you know, the Jets get the win here, and they were comfortably ahead because Andrew Luck kept turning the ball over uh, in the second half. Uh, but uh, you know. Uh, Sometimes you got to be lucky than good, uh, and uh, the, the Jets, uh, Jets uh, certainly had uh, that work in their favor. Moving on, you had the Falcons beat the Tampa Bay Bucks thirty-four to twenty-nine. This one was just a shootout. Uh, it was the return of Jameis Winston. He goes thirty to forty-one for three ninety-five and four TDs and two picks. Uh, Atlanta's defense is hot garbage i mean speaking of teams that need to do something to uh, re uh, rejigger a squad i mean atlanta's had a ton of injuries but you know what they got left on defense cannot work in the playoffs like the, the atlanta has to find a way uh and the atlanta won't make the playoffs at the rate they're going at i mean they're two and four now but atlanta realistically has to get serious they have to find someone to play defense on that squad. Uh, Jabez uh, puts up uh, over 30 fantasy points. Peyton Barber has a good game. Uh, I mean, the, this was like the, supposed to be the showcase for Ronald Jones the second, and Peyton Barber had 13 carries for 82 yards. Ronald Jones only carried the ball once. Like, this is, like, that That to me is the last day for the Ronald Jones owners. There, there were enough folks uh, trumping up uh, uh Ronald Jones the second as this is the week that it's going to happen. And Peyton Barber's the guy. I, I mean, if you drop Peyton Barber in your fantasy league, you know, he's not good. We all know that he's not good. But if, like, you need a running back 
you know, Ronald Jones is not going to be the answer. It's like that yesterday's game pretty much sealed it. Like Ronald Jones is not uh, is not going to be the guy. You know, they'll try to work him in, but like Bar- Barber's the guy for this season. That that's all there is to it. Until uh, Tampa falls out of it or whatever, like uh, that situation's not changing. Uh, Mike Evans was relatively quiet. It was the one thing that Atlanta did do well. They double teamed Mike Evans to holy hell. So like they had to go to guys like uh, Chris Godwin and go on. Uh, James had to go underneath to OJ Howard uh, as well, and Adam Humphreys had a, a good game as well. But they forced. Uh, uh, Jameis to throw to anywhere but uh, Mike Evans. Mike Evans still had four catches for 58 yards, but not the monster game people were expecting. Like uh, Atlanta at least uh, made sure that uh, uh, Mike Evans wasn't the guy who beat them today. On the flip side for Atlanta, Atlanta's offense, like, you know, even without Devonta Freeman, they took care of business. Uh, Matt Ryan, 31 of 41 for 354 and three TDs. Uh, Tevin Coleman, you know, did a serviceable job. Ten carries, thirty-five yards. He also had a, a receiving touchdown. Edo Smith uh, was a little bit of a fantasy dud. Eleven carries for twenty-two yards, but he did get the touchdown, so it wasn't a complete waste at min pricing, uh, essentially. Uh, and then Julio, I mean, ten catches for one forty-three. And again, this is the most frustrating thing that can happen for DFS. You know, I was all about the Atlanta stack with Ryan, Sanu, uh, Ridley, and Julio. Uh, you know, a lineup where it's just Julio, uh, lineups where it's a combination of Sanu and Ridley with X of Julio, and it was working swimmingly until both Sanu and Ridley get injured. Uh, you know, it, the targets ended up going to Austin Hooper, who had nine catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. Monster game for Austin Hooper, who manages to come close to Julio in terms of fantasy points, which should never happen. But Julio is just, you know, for whatever reason, red zone targets, like they can't figure out a way to get Julio the ball without throwing it to triple coverage. Uh, like they can't see the desire to play for Julio to get into the end zone. It's it's comical the way Sarka is calling uh, calling the game from the 20 to the 20. But from the 20 to the goal line, like, Sark cannot figure out ways of getting Julio the football. I mean, Julio is balling week after week, and they can't get it done uh, in the red zone uh, to get him a score at least to reward him for his efforts. But Atlanta gets the win here, so uh, fantasy grepping aside, uh, the Falcons uh, improved the 2-4, and four, but uh, that defense, oh, man, that defense needs some work. Uh, moving on. In a battle of a coach who should be fired versus a coach with the worst roster in the NFL, the Houston Texans beat the Buffalo Bills 20-13. to I mean, this one was just a case of, like, Bill O'Brien honestly needs to get fired. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not even going to say anything more than that. I, I mean, the game was pitiful by the Texans. Uh, I, I mean... The fact that the, the Bills were even this close is remarkable. Uh, let's just break down the numbers here because DeAndre Hopkins only gets six targets, five catches for 63 yards and a TD. This was one of the lowest uh, 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 ranked games on the slate in terms of, of uh, potential for points, and it lived up to that l- low billing. I, I mean, 
realistically, nothing happened in this game. I mean, nothing. So, uh, you know, you, you didn't have uh, much going on with Will Fuller. Kiki Kuti didn't have a whole lot going on. The Texans have too much talent on this team to be getting held down. I mean, Deshaun Watson was 15-25 for 177, a touchdown, and two picks. Honestly, the play calling is atrocious for the Texans. Like, I, 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 go, I go about teams every week, and I talk about how bad play calling can make good teams look terrible. And the Texans are trying to make Deshaun Watson run the same crappy offense that they were running when Deshaun Watson was injured at the end of last year. They won't let Deshaun Watson play the uh, open-style game that he wants to play. They're confining him to this lame-ass offensive scheme that hasn't worked for five different quarterbacks that Bill O'Brien keeps trotting out there uh, previously before he got to Watson. Like, this is a a little horse manure. Like, Bill O'Brien needs to be fired. He cannot come up with offense that doesn't involve Tom Brady. Tom Brady can run that style of offense. Doesn't mean every single quarterback uh, would be able to run it. Like, he has different personnel, and he can't make it work uh, with these guys. It's like, enough. It's like, enough. I mean, literally, it took the Bills to have an injury for Josh Allen to turn the reins over to the Peter Man. The Peter Man made him an appearance again. And guess what? The Peter Man actually threw a nice touchdown pass. I gave the Peter Man credit. And then he threw a pick six and another pick after that. So the Peter Man did what he does best, throw interceptions, but he did have a nice touchdown pass. So I'll, I'll give Peter Man that. The, uh, Nathan Peterman did actually throw a nice touchdown pass uh, to Zay Jones. That, that, that did actually happen. Uh, Zay Jones was also the most productive offensive player for the Bills. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, uh, with uh, 12 and a half points. Uh, Shady McCoy was actually used, uh, shockingly, uh, 16 rushes for 73 yards, uh, three catches for 21 yards. Uh, the Bills say that they're not trading LaShawn McCoy, which means that they are trading LaShawn McCoy because if you take a team at face value for what they say, uh, you know, I, I got a bridge to sell you. I, I fully believe that LaShawn McCoy is on the move. It's just that they don't want teams to know that he's on the move. Even if it's not to uh, to Philly, I, I still think LaShawn McCoy is on the move uh, elsewhere. Uh, the Bills are 2-4. and four. Like Realistically, if Josh Allen has significant long-term injury, like the season's over because Peter Mann can't play. So th- th- there's no point to having LaShawn McCoy on the roster. Uh, I, I definitely believe that McCoy's uh, on the move. But, uh, you know, as I said with this game, like, the fact that it took uh, the Bills to have an injury at quarterback to put Peterman back in to allow for Houston to gain the upper hand is ridiculous. Like, realistically, Bill O'Brien should have been fired already. But, you know, if they had lost to the Bills, oh, man, you know, Texans fans have a reason to be incredibly pissed off with Bill O'Brien. Because it is highly deserved. Everything he's getting in terms of abuse. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, 
Is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Stroud have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. All right, moving on. The game of the day in terms of just roller coaster rides. Uh, you had the Dolphins and the Bears. The Bears, you know, coming off the bye. I mean, the best case scenario, you got an injured Dolphins team. Ryan Tannehill's not playing, so you got Brock Osweiler to deal with. Brock Osweiler, who flamed out in Denver, flamed out uh, in Houston, came back to Denver, still flamed out again, uh, moved over to Cleveland. uh, Well, actually, I got the order wrong, but like flamed out in Cleveland to the point that Cleveland didn't even want him on the starting roster to begin a season. Uh, I mean, Brock Osweiler throws... For 380 yards, three touchdowns, two really bad picks. Let's be fair. Two really bad picks. Uh, But 28-44, you know, this game here was decided on just blown assignments by the Bears. The Bears were falling all over themselves tackling and were just out of position on two horrendously broken plays. Albert Wilson has six catches for 155 yards, including a 75-yard touchdown reception. Yes, Albert Wilson had... the Albert Wilson, who had barely catched two passes for the Chiefs last year uh, on a good day, had six catches for 155 yards and two TDs. If, if that's not reason enough to say this is a wacky league, I don't know what is. Because the combination of Albert Wilson and Brock Osweiler... Uh, won a dude a million dollars on DraftKings this weekend. Uh, the user who actually won the millionaire maker on DraftKings was Dave Matt one two three on entry thirty four on DraftKings. I mean, yes, you, that means he spent o- well over uh, four hundred dollars playing the millionaire ma- maker on DraftKings. But guess what? It paid off because the random ass combination of Brock Osweiler. And Albert Wilson uh, won him a million dollars. You know, you can't make this stuff up. Realistically, this was just a bonkers game that should have ended with, uh, I mean, you got got Kenyon Drake fumbling at the goal line in overtime uh, when the Dolphins were going to punch this in and end the game. Uh, He fumbles on the goal line. Bears recover. Bears drive down the field in overtime, and, you know, I want Matt Nagy to explain this to me, because he has lost two games now, inexplicably, with god-awful play calling uh, between the Packers game and this game. The Bears are on third down and three. It's They're in line for a 53-yard field goal. He goes for a bomb instead of actually picking up the first down, and instead, his kicker, who's Cody Parkey, who, again, you wouldn't trust with your life if he had to make a 40-yard field goal, let alone a 53-yard field goal. Cody Parkey doesn't even come close to hitting that 53-yard field goal. I have no idea what was going through Matt Nagy's mind about not picking up the fucking first down to begin with. It made no sense. 
if honestly, like if I'm a Bears fan, I want to smash it. I, I Bears fans probably already smashed the TV watching that game. But it's like literally, like Matt Nagy just drives me up the wall because literally the Bears, like not not gonna lie, the Bears legitimately should be undefeated. They should be five and zero. They're three and two because of their coach being a jackass, like like straight up being a jackass on the road. Like the Bears should be five and zero. They should be toast of the division in the NFC North. And now they came back down the earth, and it's a they're in a tight race with the Vikings and Packers. Like realistically, this is one of the dumbest decisions I will see all year. It made no, it made absolutely no sense. The Bears lose this game, and they like they got a gift with Kenny Drake fumbling, and they gave it right back to the Dolphins when they knew the Bears defense was gassed. It, like I, I, I was beside myself with that one because. Like, Kenyon Drake was, like, praying on the sidelines for uh, that field goal to go through for the Dolphins, which it did. But, I mean, the Bears just muffed another game on the road. Like, I'll be perfectly blunt. The Bears should be 5-0, and and they're 3-2 and because their head coach basically comes across as a jackass to me. But uh, that's all I'll say on that one. Uh, so, moving on. Uh, and congrats to Dave Matt uh, for somehow playing Brock Osweiler and uh, Albert Wilson. Dreams do come true, and sometimes uh, a squirrel finds a nut. But, like, th- that was one of the most bizarre combos I've ever seen win a million dollars on DraftKings. So, had to point that one out. Getting into the afternoon slate, uh, you got the Minnesota Vikings, like, just sh- pretty much doing what they wanted to against the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Latavius Murray had a monster game. Uh, you know, people were talking about this. Like, we, like, it, like it's it's always funny talking DFS because, you know, we were saying to ourselves, Latavius Murray is dirt cheap, and he constantly has these games where he should be lined up for a monster game, and he puts up eight points. And, of course, like, you're saying to yourself, you know, I don't want to have too much exposure to Murray because I can't afford to dud. Latavius Murray goes out, rushes for 155 yards and a touchdown. So he puts up the 22 points, and, you know, you're just, like, you you want to, like, scream at the sky because you you just say to yourself, man, I left those points on the table, uh, and I could have used the money elsewhere. But, like, the way it shaped up with tournaments today with uh, just, like, how random it, it ended up being, like, you know, you know it wasn't, like, a game-breaker, but... It was annoying. And then uh, Adam Thielen, six games. NFL, re- like, already, like, he already set the record with five straight games with 100 yards or more receptions. Now it's at six games. I, I fully apologize uh, to the folks that I said were making a mistake drafting Thielen ahead of uh, Stefan Diggs. Like, for what, like, you know, throughout Kirk Cousins' career, the rapport would have favored him being more in line with uh, Stefan Diggs than Adam Thielen. You know, for whatever reason, like, the rapport is just there with Thielen and not there with Diggs. I'm actually getting worried about Stefan Diggs' owners uh, this season because the rapport is with Thielen, clearly. I mean, Diggs does get his touches week to week, but not nearly at the same rate. I mean, Thielen had 15 targets. Stefan Diggs had five, and I know Patrick Peterson was on Diggs, 
but they didn't even try to get Diggs involved. They were just like saying, hey, you know, we will take Thielen all day if you're going to put Patrick Peterson on Stefan Diggs, and that was it. Like, Arizona never bothered switching uh, off on to Thielen. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. It's like I kept waiting for Thielen to get cooled off, and, you know, Patrick Peterson, like, never <laughs> never covered Thielen. Uh, you know, it was comical. Uh, you know, uh, David Johnson, a tough day at the office, but that was to be expected. Uh, there's a reason why he was priced at 5,900 on DraftKings with that Vikings rush defense. Uh, David Johnson ends up with 55 yards rushing and one TD, but uh, there was nothing else going on with the Arizona offense. Uh, you know, again, this is what I say for folks that say, oh, you got to draft a young QB. Josh Rosen was 20, 21 and 31 for 240 and an interception. Like, Josh Rosen was doing dink and dunk because he doesn't have an offensive line. And, you know, because he doesn't have an offensive line, yeah, he can scramble. But, like, no one's going to get that far open down the field because it's it's not like he's got that much scrambling ability. Like, the, the QBs that were available this year outside of Lamar Jackson were not really scrambling QBs. So, again, like, for the Giants fans who keep complaining about not taking a QB, like... There weren't a whole lot there, but uh, let's move on. You got the Rams, uh, fortunate enough to get a win against the uh, the Broncos. Mile high was 26 degrees Celsius. At, I, I mean, 26 degrees Fahrenheit. Whoops. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> like 26 degrees Celsius makes it an actually decent day, but like it was 26 degrees uh, Fahrenheit and it was freezing cold, uh, you know, Again, in this matchup, Case Keenum's got to be better. I mean, the the Broncos had the perfect conditions to catch the Rams. Like, the Rams were basically reduced to just giving the ball to Todd Gurley and get the hell out of his way. Todd Gurley had uh, 28 rushes for 208 yards and two TDs, two catches for 17 yards. Like, the Rams were not able to throw the football that much at all. Jared Goff was 14 to 28. That was the least efficient I've seen Jared Goff. Like the Broncos did an excellent job buttoning up, jamming receivers at the line of scrimmage. Yes, uh, there were injuries because uh, Cooper Cup got injured on a horse collar tackle. Uh, no, uh, Brandon Cooks was uh, pretty much contained. Uh, like he couldn't get uh, he couldn't get out over the top. Like they were like they played two man and cover two. Uh, like they literally blanketed down the field. So the play was to run the football. You know, this is what I laugh at with the Giants. Like, when teams give us looks to run the football, we don't run the football. We still insist on doing short passes. No, when you have looks that say, oh, okay, we're going to let you run the football because we're not going to let you beat us over the top, you run the football. That's what you do. You give what the defense gives you. Like, sometimes you can dictate what you want to do. Sometimes, like, don't be greedy. Like, take what they give you and stop being stubborn about it. Uh, the Rams did that. Like, Gurley did what it, did his thing, and the Rams got uh, uh, got away with a win. But, like, honestly, the Rams' defense did not play well yesterday. If Case Keenum plays a little bit better, the Broncos win that game at home because they were doing a lot of good things on defense. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, like, you know, the Broncos made their bed with Case Keenum. Keenum got hurt. Crowd was actually cheering because they thought Chad Kelly was going to come into the game, which was 
not exactly tasteful, but I can sense why the crowd is just so frustrated because Case Keenum is not playing well. It's, you know, it's perfectly honest. Like, when we're going to get into this, like, because between Case Keenum and Blake Bortles, like, there are two teams that can make the playoffs this year that need upgrades at quarterbacks for trade. So, you know, you can say whatever you want about Eli Manning, but, like, as, as bad as Eli's playing, he's still playing better than Case Keenum and Blake Bortles. It's not, it really is not close. So, speaking of Blake Bortles, let's talk about the Cowboys dumping the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cowboys win 40-7. to This game was basically predicated on Blake Bortles being incapable of reading a defense and throwing a football. He was 15 to 26 for 149, one touchdown and one pick, but he was so gun shy at throwing the football because they kept jamming the Jags receivers at the line of scrimmage. He couldn't make reads and he couldn't run underneath because Jalen Smith was waiting for Blake Bortles to run the football so he could smash him into oblivion. Blake Bortles had four rushes for 22 yards, and it was only because when the Cowboys played zone later on in the game when the game was out of reach, that he started running. When Jalen Smith was out there, Blake Bortles was scared. <laughs> like, uh, he, I, I swear, it seemed like Blake Bortles was going to piss his pants because, like, they could not do anything offensively at all today. Like, jammed the line. They did what I say you have to do with Blake Bortles. Make him actually try to be a quarterback. Make him make read progressions. He cannot do it. So by uh, jamming jamming aggressively at the line, the Cowboys' defense was able to do what they needed to do, and T.J. Yeldon cannot run between the tackles. Eight carries, 41 yards, but a lot of that was garbage time. Jamal Charles is done. Five carries, five yards. Like, this was... Like, the Jags need a quarterback, and they need a running back. Like, if the Jags want to be serious and take it seriously... You know, even if you don't want Blake Bort, uh, if even if you don't want to trade for a QB to replace Blake Bortles, you got to bring in a running back. Like, uh, you know, whether you're paying up for uh, Le'Veon Bell or pay, uh, trading for LaShawn McCoy, you got to bring in a running back that can actually be there. Because you know, one of the things that the we always say, availability is your best ability, and uh, Leonard Fournette cannot d- demonstrate that he can be healthy enough to play for you every Sunday. Like, they have to bring in someone that can run between the tackles because this offense cannot work unless they have a run game. Like, the Giants can run the football. In spite of that offensive line, Saquon Barkley is good enough to create offense. Like, the Giants have options to generate offense when things aren't going well. Right now, for Jacksonville, they have no way of generating offense if the run game can't get going. Like... Unless uh, unless uh, Blake Bortles is allowed to a- able to run and uh, escape the pocket because uh, the other team doesn't have uh, linebackers uh, athletic enough or spying on him, like the Jags are just going to continue to struggle. They're, this is a very simple offense to game plan for. I, I, I've said that repeatedly. That's the reason why I said Jacksonville was like that one playoff team that everyone has penciled in that they shouldn't be penciling in automatically. Jags are 3-3. Three and three. But there are ways to game plan for this team. They'll make the playoffs because of how crappy their division is. And, you know, you still got a coach in Bill O'Brien who should get fired. And you got an Indianapolis team that finds ways of screwing up. So the Jags are going to make the playoffs. But the Jags are not the lock that people say they are. 
and uh, they they'll get in because of that division. But uh, they are not the team that people are saying they are. Uh, you know, Dallas was able to run on them because that team does not generate the pass rush on defense that you you would attribute to one of the all time great defenses. Yeah, they they can they can slow you down and running the football, but when you have a good offensive line like the Cowboys do, you can run the football. And that makes things easier for Dak Prescott. When Dak is not throwing the ball, because, again, the Cowboys run some of the simplest route, uh, routes in the business. Like, you know, Cole Beasley just sat in, uh, sat in the zone uh, of what the Jags were giving him, and they just kept dumping the ball to Cole Beasley all game long. Cole Beasley had nine catches for 100 yards and two TDs because he he's a veteran. He knows how to navigate around a defense, and he found the pockets of space. Like, Dak only threw for 183 yards. Over, like, you know, that that's all you need to know. Like, Dak threw for 183 yards. Cole Beasley was responsible for 101. Like, Dak cannot hit, like, multiple receivers. That's not his game. He can dump the ball off, and he can, he can throw to wide-open guys. Like, the uh, Cowboys do not have a complex offense. The Jags got beat because the Cowboys were able to run the football and because the Jags, when they were playing zone, they got burned by Cole Beasley having a great game. That that was about it. So that takes us to the massacre of the day. Uh, Ravens win 21-0 over uh, the Titans. You know, I'll be perfectly blunt here. Like The Ravens ran the football. Uh, Joe Flacco threw for 238. The Ravens could have taken a siesta on offense. The Ravens' defense was that good. Like, realistically, like, the Ravens' offense was just running routes uh, just to get guys involved, so they kept spreading the ball around. So Because they had time to uh, try out different uh, route progressions for different receivers. Like, they, they were able to target multiple guys. Like, Tennessee was so pitiful on offense. Marcus Mariota was responsible for 75% of the Titans offense yesterday and he threw for 117 and rushed for 25 yards. Mariota was the team's leading rusher. Derrick Henry had 21 yards. Deion Lewis had 9 yards. Like the Titans were that pitiful. They couldn't run the football. They couldn't pass the football. Like no one's open. Like the Ravens were so completely and utterly dominated the Titans. It was literally the equivalent of watching a professional team versus a college team. Like, that's how pitiful the Titans look. The Titans are not that bad, but they're not that much better either. Like, I I talked about this before with the Titans. Like, that roster is not nearly as good as it probably should be, given the players that they have. And that wide receiving core has a lot of question marks. Like, they don't show up week to week. And Corey Davis cannot get shut down that badly. He's the number one receiver. He's the number one draft pick. He cannot be invisible on the field. And that's where he was yesterday. You like you had you had to use a magnifying glass to find him on the field. But uh, you know it, it is what it is. But like that was about as dominant a performance as you're ever going to see from a defense and a team that had like no answer for it. Like the Titans from the first half to the second half. Looked like the exact same team. They had no idea what to do against the Ravens' defense yesterday. It was that pitiful watching. So, that takes us to the Sunday night game, which was the absolute 
gem of the weekend, lived up to all the hype. And I'll say this, you know, for a team like the Pats to win this game where they had no penalties committed and never punted, for them to only win 43-40 to shows just how good Patrick Mahomes is. Because the Pats played about as clean a game as you can have. Yes, Brady had the big fumble, but the Pats played a relatively clean game. They had they had some defensive plays that they made that were excellent de- uh, defensive plays. Like the Pats were communicating on defense. They they were able to psych out Mahomes a couple of times because Mahomes did throw two picks, and they were picks forced by the defense because Dante Hightower uh, faked out Mahomes. And then on the first half play, like they they got Mahomes uh, sped up in that two minute drill where he forced a pass on first down where he didn't need to with 18 seconds left to go in the first half. He didn't need to make that throw, but the Pats had already sped him up throughout that first half. Like the Pats did a very good job, but the one thing that the Pats like have to deal with that the Chiefs have is just the team speed of Tyree Kill and Kareem Hunt. They are too fast on the field. Tyreek Hill had seven catches for 142 yards and three TDs. Like, and there were a couple other chances that he could have had as well. Like, Tyreek Hill like could have scored 50 points in fantasy last night. He he had he came out with 30. He was just over 39 points, but it could have been even more. It like that's how dominant his speed was because he just broke some plays where like honestly, you just tip your hat to him. It, he's just too fast. Same with Kareem Hunt. Uh, 10 rushes for 80 yards, 5 catches for 105 yards, and a touchdown. Like, their team speed was just on point. And, you know, the Patriots made it a goal to shut down Travis Kelsey uh, and make sure he was blanketed. So he, Kelsey only had 5 catches for 61 yards. Like, it, Kelsey was uh, phased out of the game. But because of the speed of Hill and Hunt, like, I don't think the Pats have a game plan to slow those guys down. I really don't. I, I think that team speed is what scares the bejesus out of Belichick and why they don't want to uh, play them. I, I think the biggest thing is, like, the Patriots, if they, if they match up against uh, the Chiefs again, they have to hope it's at Foxborough and that it's snowing because that seems to be the only way that's going to slow down the Chiefs' offense because the, the case of this game was, you know, the Patriots were able to drive down the field at the very end to get the field goal from Goskowski. But honestly, if that gets into an overtime situation and they only score a field goal, I, I felt like the way the game was moving on that the Chiefs were going to pound them for another touchdown. Like, I don't think the Patriots have a game plan that extends beyond 60 minutes for the Chiefs unless it's a cold-weather game in the snow. I think, like, the, Chief, the Chiefs ran out of time more than the Patriots beat the Chiefs. Like, it, it was a case where the Chiefs, Made enough mistakes where they couldn't actually win the game in regulation. That's where I kind of felt with this. Because, again, just a great game by the Chiefs. Uh, The Patriots, again, played an incredibly clean game. Because you had uh, James White and uh, Sonny Michel uh, uh, combined for uh, 30 rushes and over 140 yards rushing between the two of them. Michel had 106 yards. uh, White had 39 yards. Uh, Michelle, they flipped it around where uh, James White had the five catches for 53 yards. Like, they kept using the touches between the two running backs to try to slow down the game, and yet still the Chiefs were right there with them neck and neck. 
Uh, I know Brady missed a couple of throws to Josh Gordon down the field, and that could have broken the game open. I mean, Brady still was 24-35 for 340 and a touchdown. Like, Brady balled. Uh, Brady uh, got a break on the rushing attempt when uh, the defender was afraid of falling on him, so he kind of let him go, and Brady took advantage of it. But the Pats, like, did just enough to win that game. But down the road, like, that Chiefs team is scary. It's their first loss of the season, but that Chiefs team is scary. Like, you kind of have to hope that Andy Reid empties out uh, the chamber and runs out of creative plays because, like, in terms of that team talent, that talent is so good right now that it is hard to find a team that's going to be able to stop the Chiefs down the road. That's how scary the Chiefs are right now. It was a loss, but it, it showed me a lot in that loss that how the Pats had to beat them because the Pats basically had to play perfect and hope that the Chiefs made mistakes to win that game at home. Like, the, that's the scary part. So that does it for the recap of uh, week six thus far. We have the Monday night game coming up. Uh, you know, Packers are favored by, a, like, ten points here. Uh, it is deserved because, you know, C.J. Beathard uh, is just not an NFL quarterback. He's a captain check down. So if you're playing DFS uh, tonight, I would say look at a guy like George Kittle. Look at Kyle Juszczyk of the 49ers because uh, Beathard is just going to, or Beathard, uh, is just going to throw to those guys specifically. Those guys are going to get 75% of the targets. Uh, of the passes that uh, uh, Beathard actually throws out there because, again, he's not going to be throwing the wide receivers all that much. It's going to be a lot of checkdowns to Kittle at tight end and also use check the running back slash fullback of the 49ers. Uh, those will be the targets. Uh, the Packers, meanwhile, it's going to be interesting because you, you got injuries to Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb. No one quite knows, like, if it looks like it's still going to be a game-time decision for both of them. So, outside of Devontae Adams, it's kind of like an up-in-the-air mystery as to who you're going to play. Uh, uh, Marquez Scantling-Valdez is still a potential, but if Cobb or Allison is ready to go, then, uh, you know, obviously you're going to have to plug him into the lineup. So, uh, interesting dynamic here for Monday night. Uh, if you got fancy contests, uh, still in play, you know, good luck to you, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be a particularly good game, but, you know, with the games that we had yesterday, you know what, you should be happy with uh, the weekend as a whole, so that's going to do it for the show today, uh, I could talk about uh, baseball a little bit more with uh, the Sox and, and the Astros series, but I'll save that for uh, tomorrow uh, while I recap uh uh, the Brewers game that goes on. I, I think the Brewers uh, missed a golden opportunity to go up 2-0. Uh, I think it's going to come back to haunt them because I think Walker Buehler is going to have a good game tonight uh, pitching. So I think the Dodgers are going to uh, take back control of the series and, and win tonight. So they'll be up 2-1. to one. So that's my pick for tonight's uh, baseball game. But uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, uh, we will definitely uh, talk... Uh, tomorrow uh, as I uh, recap uh, the Monday night game and uh, get into some baseball discussion as well and also talk about the return of the NBA. So uh, that's all for now and uh, have a good day, folks.
It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll, I'll take Giselle, okay? <laughs> is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Wise and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.